You are listening to the Good Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Brett. Let's get rolling. Welcome to the Good Talk Podcast, and I'm your host, Brett. Um, I'm super excited about this episode because it is Good Friday, and uh, the title of this episode is Good Friday Good God. And so, obviously, today we're going to talk about um, the crucifixion of Christ. Um, and so, even though we celebrate it as a Good Friday, it was a very painful, uh, cursed day for our Savior. And so, I just want to kind of go over that. And as we reflect on it, as we look forward to uh, Resurrection Sunday, and I know that, you know, you've seen a lot of videos and a lot of posts about how. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. And I kind of want us to, not that that's not true, and that the resurrection, Paul says, if Jesus didn't resurrect, then our faith is futile, and we are still lost in our sins, because ultimately Jesus didn't conquer sin and death if he didn't resurrect, and he wasn't the true son of God if he didn't do so. So that's important. But I also want us to not skip past the tough part, which is the cross. And a lot of times we do that. Um, not just uh, as Christians and individuals, but as a church, we, we tend to kind of skip past that. And so I thought it would be a good time for us to just kind of go over it and read together. So if you have your Bibles, John chapter 19. Um I'm going to start in, I think, in verse uh, uh, 16. But uh, what's taking place, obviously, is Jesus has been arrested. Um, and he was in the cell at Caiaphas, the high priest's home. Uh, he spent the night pretty much there. And now the next day on the Friday, they are taking him before Pilate. And Pilate is questioning him and the, the high priest and the uh, the uh, the religious leaders, Sanhedrin, are, are trying to push for Jesus to be killed. And so um, they ultimately uh, get to release one prisoner um, because it's the Sabbath. And so Pilate lets them choose between Jesus or Barabbas. And they ultimately choose Barabbas, who is a murderer. He was a Jewish zealot, and he caused a lot of problems, and he stirred a lot of trouble. But Pilate believed that Jesus might even stir up more trouble than a Jewish zealot. And so, because of the following that he had. And the same for the high priests and the religious leaders. Um, so, this decision was very political. Um, this decision uh, was, uh, you know, it was based on power and money. And, and so that was the decision they were making, uh, was that Jesus had to go uh, before some ruckus took over. Um, the threats he made, uh, supposedly to them, uh, on the temple being torn down, uh, pretty much drew the line for the religious leaders and the high priest Caiaphas. Even though we know that Jesus, when he mentioned the temple being destroyed, he was talking about himself. Also, he was foreshadowing what would take place uh, 40 years later when Rome would overtake uh, Jerusalem and they would destroy the temple. So 
those things happen. And Jesus was uh, referring to those things. And he wasn't making threats. He was telling the truth. And so that's the kind of God we serve as one who tells truth. And so here we go. We'll pick up John chapter 19, verse 16. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the uh, the place of the school, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priest of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am the king of the Jews. And Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, uh, they took his garments, divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see who it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture, which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to his disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that the, that it was all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation and so that bodies would not remain on the cross, the Sabbath, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it was born witness his testimony is true, and he knows that it is telling the truth, that you all may also believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. Um, after this, a man uh, named Joseph of Arimathea came and took Jesus' body and buried it. Um, this man, J Joseph, was also a part of the religious leaders, um, but he was one of the ones who was not in favor of killing Jesus. Um, but ultimately, he was uh, outnumbered with the votes. And so um, he, being an honorable man, decided he would give Jesus the proper burial. And so he buried him in a borrowed tomb. No one had ever laid there before. And that's where... Jesus laid, it's called the garden tomb, or is known as that. And uh, so they laid him there in that tomb, and that's where he remained until the third day, which we're getting ready to celebrate soon. So uh, I pray that God 
uh, blesses and honors the reading of his word. And, and I'm thankful that you read along with me and that, and that if you're still listening, uh, a few things that I want us to just not, not be reminded of, but to not skip over, um, is what Jesus went through on Thursday night, the night that led up to his arrest, um, where he spent time with his disciples and he was arrested. He was betrayed by his own disciple. He was denied by his own disciple. Um, just like he said what happened. Um, these were men he loved and, and was with constantly, um, that he prayed for, that he taught. Um, and as he was in the garden, just pleading, uh, God to, remove this cup and if you're not familiar this cup he's describing is the cup of wrath um, that was a cup that had to be drank and so f- what that means for you and I is this if Jesus doesn't doesn't drink that cup you and I have to drink it at the end of days and I don't know about you but just thinking about that cup overwhelms me Jesus didn't leave a drop. He experienced the full wrath of God. And so other uh, other New Testament, if you read the other Gospels, there's obviously different points of view when it comes to the crucifixion of Jesus. And, and some of the other ones talk about how uh, it really got dark and there was an earthquake and all these things happened uh, when Jesus was on the cross. And I, I just want us to picture the fact that God the Father turned his face from his son because of the sin that was on him. Um, the darkness that fell over was was condemnation and wrath. Like to experience this as a human is just uh, unfathomable. And I don't even know if that's a word. Uh, someone uh, check me on that. But it was something that you just can't you can't picture. And to think that Jesus, he had plenty of opportunities to run. Uh, he had opportunities to call the angels down from heaven and say, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to die for these people because they don't care about me. They just, one day they're screaming Hosanna and the next day uh, they're yelling crucify him and they're denying me and they're betraying me and they're turning their backs on me. But that wasn't Jesus. He willingly took the cup of wrath and he swallowed it all bearing our sin second uh, corinthians five twenty one. for he came um, for he knew no sin he came to be sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of god it's it's the fact that jesus took our place and the bible is very clear that blood would have to be shed uh, for atonement and atonement is to be made right uh, with the Father, uh, so we needed an atoning sacrifice. This was also an important time in the Jewish faith. They were celebrating Passover, and what that meant was they were celebrating a time where God led them out uh, of, a, of of oppression in Egypt, and they He allowed them to paint blood of the lamb over their doorposts so that the the angel of death would pass over their home. And so now it would be 
it would just have to be God's timing that now Jesus is being crucified as the Passover lamb for us. Like we now are being passed over because of the blood of the lamb that covers our life if you're in Christ. And so, man, I, I, that cup is is really weighs heavy on me. So don't forget about the cup. Another thing I was reading, and I don't know if you... If you've ever heard of the man named Lee Strobel or if you've watched the movie The Case for Christ or even the documentary or the book, if you've read the book, um, he has a smaller copy and it's called The Case for Easter. I don't know. Can you all see that? Okay. The Case for Easter. And so it's uh, Lee Strobel was a reporter. Uh, he was a journalist. He was a reporter. He was almost more of an investigator, in my opinion. And he was an atheist. Um, his wife was a believer, and he thought she was a crazy wackadoo. And so he went out to disprove Christianity. And so during all this, it, it took him several years to kind of, I think it was like two or three years. Um, but during this, he, he asked some questions about the cross. Like, did Jesus die? Like, are we sure he died, or was it uh, a a fake death like did he get off the or did he escape or maybe he wasn't dead and then he snuck off and there's a lot of different things that people say and believe and a lot of different theories out there and so he interviewed this guy and I, I just kind of want to read this to you and just kind of just just reflect on it just think about what he's saying it says um these days, when condemned criminals are strapped down and injected with poisons or secured to a wooden chair and subjected to a surge of electricity, the circumstances are highly controlled. Death comes quickly and predictably. Medical examiners carefully certify the victim's passing. From close proximity, witnesses scrutinize everything from the beginning to the end. But how certain was death by this crude, slow, and rather inexact form of execution called crucifixion? It says, most people aren't sure how the cross kills its victims. And so he said, I began to unpack these issues. What happened when he arrived at the site of the crucifixion, I asked. He would have been laid down and his hands would have been nailed in the outstretched position, the horizontal beam. This crossbar was called the patabulum. And at this stage, it was separate from the vertical beam, which was permanently set in the ground. I was having difficulty visualizing this, and I needed more details. Nailed with what? I asked. Nailed where? The Romans used spikes that were five to seven inches long and tapered to a sharp point. They were driven through the wrist, Metherol said, pointing about an inch or so below his left palm. Hold it, I interrupted. I thought the nails pierced the palms. That's what all the paintings show. In fact, it's become a standard symbol representing the crucifixion. Through the wrist, Metherol repeated. This was a solid position that would lock the hand. If the nails had been driven through the palms, his weight would have caused the skin to tear, and he would have fallen off the cross. So the nails went through the wrists, although those considered a part of the hand in the language of the day. He goes on and on to talk about how uh, the nerve endings that was hit and struck as he drove it through his wrist, the, the pain that would have been caused. It's like hitting your funny bone, but taking that nerve, timesing it, by 10 and just piercing it and pushing it and squeezing it constantly. And that was the pain. It was excruciating. 
that what Jesus was experiencing just with the nails driving through his wrists and then through his feet. And he goes on to talk about how when he was on the cross, like the whole point of the cross, if you didn't already know this, was suffocation. It was a long, painful, slow death. It wasn't going to be over quick. And he goes into a lot of the anatomy of um, you get to a certain point where you're in shock, your body's in shock, you, your heart gets into a regular heartbeat, and eventually Jesus died of cardiac arrest. And when right before that happens, blood and water swell around your lungs and in your around your heart. And so what's important to note is that when they struck Jesus and stabbed him with the spear, blood and water came out. And obviously water came first and then blood. And and so that shows you uh, historically what would take place on the cross. And so we connect that with what happened to Jesus. And obviously Jesus died a lot faster than the others because of the brutal beating he took beforehand. Um, and so that's why, other than it was prophetic, that, that his legs would not be broken. And why they broke the other men's legs is so that they would die faster, they would suffocate quicker. It would be, instead of hours, it would just be minutes. Um, so this, this whole cross is just, it's, it's just, if we think about it, and we think about someone who would kill someone, we would think, man, that is so wrong to kill someone like this. But, the Romans, that's what they did. They, they specialized in executing people, and they specialized in killing people. The fact is, if Jesus would have somehow escaped the cross or, or didn't die completely, and they saw him later on, obviously the disciples did after he resurrected, they saw him later on, Roman soldiers would be killed themselves because that's their job. That's their DNA. That's what they know is how to kill people. And so this cross that Jesus bore for us uh, was not a good one. It was very painful. It was, it was a cursed. It was a tree. To be hung on a tree and to be uh, naked, was, it, was a, it was a curse. And so not only did he bear our sins, he bore our curse on this tree. And he shed his blood. And another thing that happens that is very important is that the veil of the temple was torn, which separated the place where normal people could go and then the holiest of holies where God's presence was. So that's another thing that we should think about on this Good Friday is that the veil split in two, representing the fact that Jesus had now made a way for us to have a right relationship with the Father in heaven. And that is a beautiful thing. Um, and it's something we don't deserve. I, I don't know about you, but I don't deserve it. I, I, there's not one thing that I can say, you know what, God, I've, I've done this right. I've done that right. I Honestly, I can, I can give him more reasons why I don't deserve it than why I do deserve it. But because of his great love for us and his mercy that he had for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5, 8. That while we were still in our sin, while we were the ones denying him, while we were the ones betraying him, while we were the ones yelling crucify him, Christ died for us. And so, man, that is uh, very humbling. 
uh, and it's it's something that I hope you are, are thinking about a lot today. Um, the last thing, and it's something we talk about all the time, was when Jesus said, "It is finished." Um, a lot of a lot of people wonder why did Jesus say it is finished when he hadn't resurrected yet, and that's a great question. And in my honest opinion, what Jesus meant by "it is finished" was that he had made the way for atonement and the forgiveness of sin. And so that people can have a right relationship with the Father. And he said it because his will, his Father's will had been done. And the work that he was called to do on this earth was complete. And so as we celebrate this Good Friday, let's remember our good God. Let's remember how good and holy and righteous he is and the fact that he would look upon us those who are in sin and reach down and save us by his own blood that is a good God and if you're listening or watching and you have questions about your faith or if you have questions about God's love for you and please message me after this and I would love to just talk to you uh, about it and, and so, guys, it is, it's just so humbling to think that a God would love me that much. That he would come in the form of a baby. He would humble himself. Philippians chapter 2, one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. He would come humble himself even to the point of death, even death by a cross, okay? He was obedient to that point. That he obeyed his father. And he lived that perfect life. He walked the same way. He was tempted the same way we are. He walked the life we live. He probably dealt with death in the family. He probably dealt with disease and sickness, obviously. He, he dealt with those things. But he lived a perfect life. He was never phased by it. And because of that, he was the only one that could take our place. And he said, for I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. If you believe there's other ways to heaven or other ways to right, right relationship with the Father than Jesus Christ, then I must contend with you and to say that there is no other way. There is no other God who is worthy of, enough to be your substitute on the cross to to experience the wrath of God that he experienced and if you would like to contend with me please um, message me and I, I will gladly have that conversation with you but man good Friday is not something we should just skip past uh, and look forward to resurrection Sunday we should be in the moment right now, reflect on what Jesus did. If we have to take communion in our homes just to remember that he, his body was broken and his blood was shed um, for the new covenant that he ushered in where by his blood we are forgiven, by his wounds we are healed. 
Through Jesus, we have been made righteous. And so no longer do we have to live in our sin. No longer do we have to say, well, I'm Adam's kid. If you know who I'm talking about, I'm talking about Adam and Eve. Uh, Adam brought sin into the world. It was just through one man and through another. Salvation, justification, repentance, faith, holiness, grace, love, mercy. Now it's through Jesus. And so I could go on and on about how good my God is and how important Good Friday is not to look past. But as we prepare for Resurrection Sunday, let's remember the cross. Let's remember that our sin put him there. My sin put him there. Your sin put him there. And you might say, Brett, I'm a good person. I don't, I mean, I, I do the right things at the right times. At some point in time, you've been selfish. And I can't think of, I can think of 20 times a day I was selfish. But Jesus showed us what it meant to be selfless and to be a servant. And to first and foremost, follow the will of his Father, to be obedient to Father, and then to love us unconditionally. So now, uh, that's me talking. I just want to open up for comments, questions, thoughts. Um, I mean, I'm going to kind of read some of those, so uh, please feel free to interact with me. This will be a lot better if you do. Uh, so I'll wait and let you ask some questions. Um, it's good to ask questions. It's good to, uh, you know, if you want to let me know what you maybe learned from this uh, or maybe something that God reminded you of, uh, maybe it's a prayer request, uh, whatever. I'll be glad to, uh, to see those and to, to comment back. I appreciate each one of you that's watched. And uh, uh, someone actually commented and told me that uh, this was the same time Andy Bashir was going to be on uh, talking the coronavirus. And uh, I was like, man, Andy is <laughs> he's way cooler than me, right? Um, but he's talking about this pandemic that has a lot of people worried. And, and so I understand if people are, are listening into him, but at the same time, it's good Friday. And I thought it would be a great time to just get on here. I record my podcast, do it live and, and let you, uh, ask me anything that you want to ask and comment anything that you want to comment. So, all right, come on. I'm waiting. Comments, questions. If you're just joining uh, joining the party, well, I have just went over uh, the crucifixion of Christ on this Good Friday. I'm recording my live podcast. It's uh, Good Friday, Good God. And so if you just joined and you want to comment like what you're thankful for or what this day means to you, uh, feel free to do that as well. Anybody? Alex, are you still on? 
you have to tell uh, Madeline to uh, tell Madeline happy birthday. I don't know if she's with you or not, but Madeline Dunn, if you're listening, uh, happy birthday from your cousin. You are 13, and that means nothing. You're still little, and I will still beat you up, okay? I'm just kidding. Know that we love you. Blakely says hey, and happy birthday, and so does Courtney. Andrew, I appreciate the good job. Maybe you should uh, throw in a little comment of, uh, of something maybe the Lord's been teaching you this, this holy week. Uh, get involved, son. Kennedy, thanks for joining. Uh, good Friday. What's it mean to you if you want to comment or ask a question? Be glad to talk over it. And it don't have to be necessarily anything we talked about here. Bobby, yes, we'll do. I'll be praying. I'll definitely be praying. And miss you guys and love you too. Uh, and... Uh, Hopefully when all this is over, uh, I'm going to try to get with T and so we can go golfing or do something. So um, I do miss y'all as well. Sarah Skaggs, thank you. Um, that's, that's our goal. Uh, our goal is to plainly tell it. So everyone can understand it. Uh, the gospel is so important. It doesn't need to be watered down, uh, but it needs to be presented in a way that anyone can understand. I always try to present it in a way, whether I'm talking to a five-year-old or a 70-year-old, they can understand what I'm saying. Uh, I have a theology degree, and uh, I have a master's of theology, and so I've studied the Bible, but for some reason those big words don't, come through my mouth when I talk. I don't know why. I, I still talk like a hit kid from Auburn, Kentucky. And so that's just how it is. I know the big words, uh, but um, I want people to know the gospel clearly. And uh, and so thank you for that comment. Thank you for listening. Um, Kelly May uh, is thankful the quarantine gives us a chance to really reflect on grace and mercy in a way might not be able to when we're busy. Absolutely, man. Uh, the the virus has definitely slowed us down, um, and it's been good for me uh, just to reflect and to spend more time with the Lord and with my family. And and uh, and so He's definitely He teaches and continues to teach me about His grace and mercy. And I'm so thankful it's renewed every single day. And uh, man, and I'm excited about you and Andrew getting married. Uh, super excited. I'm still waiting on Andrew to post something on here. Come on, Andrew, you're slow. Caitlin Phillips, people didn't keep Jesus on the cross. Love kept Jesus on the cross. I will have to agree with that. Um, and don't forget obedience because he loved his father. Love. Love is very important. And I'm thankful to have a, a God who loves us. Oh, Andrew's driving. Okay. <laughs> Andrew's driving. Okay, well don't don't type anything, Andrew, if you're driving. Anyone else got comments, questions? You don't have to do it do it here. You can do it somewhere else. Um, I'm trying to see if I 
Okay, here we go. I uh, missed this one earlier. Alex had said the temple was broken so we could receive and become parts of the temple. Uh, Jesus, we love you. Yeah, we do love you, Jesus. Alex, um, maybe D, uh, text me or something. Uh, let's let's talk about that comment. Um, maybe a little deeper. Uh, I'd love to do that. Let's see. Anybody else? Oh, I didn't see um, my mother-in-law's here or was. I don't know if she still is. And my wife was in the other room giving Blakely a bath, and they joined in. So maybe bath time is over. Anybody else before I close this out? Oh, okay. Questions. Okay. Andrew, do you think... I hope you didn't ask that while you were driving. Do you think any people at the crucifixion might have been saved? If so, why? I do. Um... I do. I think there was a centurion who uh, he truly believed that um, he says this this man was truly innocent, and this this man was truly the son of God, and so I do believe that there was people there at this crucifixion who witnessed it that would come away um, believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I do one hundred percent believe that. Maybe even if it was just that one man, I think that one centurion he really got it. Outside of the thief on the cross, obviously he was a part of this too. Uh, he said, please remember me in paradise. And Jesus, uh, please remember me when you enter your kingdom. And Jesus said, behold, you'll be with me today in paradise. And so um, those two for sure. I'm sure there was plenty others that witnessed it. Um, I, I wish, I wish, but I don't wish I could have seen it and been there. Um, I I would have been all emotions. I can't even watch uh, the Bible series or uh, or Passion of Christ or any, you know, people post those uh, videos and with music. I can't do all that emotional stuff. I really can't because I just start to think of, and even just reading that the case for Easter and just going into detail about what Jesus would have been experiencing physically is just, it, it's tough for me to handle. It's tough for me to handle, for sure. Granny says, I, I feel you. I get angry because I don't know the big words to use when I pray. <laughs> hey, um, God is our Father, and we are His children, and I think He delights in us talking to Him. Uh, whatever words we're using, uh, the, the good thing is He knows our heart, so... That's the important thing. Anybody else? Any other questions? I really do appreciate each of y'all uh, jumping on to do this live. Um, if you come back to this later, you know, like you watch this and it's not live, but you're watching it and you get to this point, uh, feel free to comment and uh, ask me any questions that you have and I'll get back to you. Um, but I think that'll do it. Uh, whoop, 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 whoop. I always say that and then somebody else pops up a, a question. So, okay. Uh, Caitlin Phillips, despite the fact that Judas betrayed Jesus, do you think he was a true follower of Christ? Peter was a true, was a true follower, although he denied Christ three times. 
Well, that's a really good question. And and God only knows the heart of man, but I also know that there was something different with the way Jesus responded to the fact that Judas was going to betray him rather than Peter denying him. Um, he announced that Judas would betray him, and he said, uh, Woe is the man who would betray the Son of Man, uh, rather he not been born. He doesn't really say that to Peter, and so I don't know. If, I don't know if that truly means he's a believer, or if he's not a believer. I know that uh, Judas seemed to struggle a lot with money, and um, and so I think he was somewhat skeptical the whole time. Um, but especially when money was involved, he just didn't really get it, and so. I think that uh, his guilt um, obviously outweighed um, all of that in the end uh, when he committed suicide. Um, and uh, so I think, but I, I don't know if that was a godly uh, sorrow or an earthly sorrow. I really don't know. Um, but a good question. As far as uh, Peter, I do believe Peter was a true follower. I think what Peter... <laughs> Uh, selling someone out is a little bit different than saying you don't know them. I know both are false and both are bad, and I've I've done both. Uh, but um, Peter was just a tough guy. He was always acting tough, and he, you know, that was that was his thing. Um, and he would always say something before he thought about it, and so he just kind of shouts to Jesus like I don't care what happens like I'll die with you I don't care if you get arrested I'll fight to the end all those things like but then Jesus is like okay I've got to tell you something you're going to deny me you're going to deny me three times and so it was like a reality check for uh for Peter like you're and then Peter still said no I won't like <laughs> Like, he knows that Jesus is all-knowing and sovereign, and yet he still argued the fact. He's like, I will not. Like, he was trying to hold on with his human will. He was just grabbing hold of it. He's like, I will not deny you. And even in the moment up until right before he denied him, I guarantee you, because Peter followed Jesus after he was arrested to Caiaphas' home, and he was in the courtyard hanging out trying to wait and see what would happen. He was probably thinking, how can I get Jesus out of here? How can we escape? How... But then these people begin to ask him, hey, you were with Jesus. You you were hanging out with Jesus. You're one of his followers. Your accent gives you away. I don't know if anybody's ever told you your accent gives you away from, like, depending on where you're from. Uh, but they, they said that to Peter. They said, your accent's giving you away, man. You're a Galilean. You're a follower of Jesus. We know you are. And he swore uh, on his own life and said, I do not know this man. So... I think up until that point, Peter really didn't believe he was going to deny him, and yet he did. Good question. Oh, let's see. Oh, Jane Pittman. Uh, are you listening to uh, Bashir? Is that why you're joining late? And thank you, though, if you're listening or listening on later. Um, just let me throw this in here, my podcast, the Good Talk Podcast. If you listen to podcasts or if you have an Apple um, 
It's it's available on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. So if you have a Google, you can say, hey, listen, uh, listen to Good Talk Podcast. Uh, you might have to throw my name in there. It might take you a couple times for it to find you uh, or find the right one because it took me a little bit to find it as well. But um, it's available there. If you don't really know uh, how to get to those, just let me know. I'll send you a link. Um, and you can listen to them. I've got some from the past, and I'll upload this one later. And so it actually be a live one. So a lot of you are going to make it in here. So.